Off the shores of Lake Erie, the now-shuttered NRG power plant towers above the choppy waters. In 2008, the power plant received tax subsidies from the local Industrial Development Agency. And those tax subsidies for NRG, plus a handful of other projects, means the Dunkirk City School District foregoes an average of $5 million annually. For the past several months, investigative host J. Dale Shoemaker has been taking a deeper look, finding that school districts throughout western New York are foregoing millions of dollars each year due to tax breaks. Without that funding, the pressure has mounted on the budgets of schools and the shoulders of families. For Investigative Post, this is Reporter's Notebook. All right, so you've been reporting on IDAs for a year. This is essentially your beat, economic development. Um, what have you found in that time? So when I came here, uh, it was assigned the beat of covering IDAs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, natural thing to do is you start going to IDA meetings, right? right? Um, so at the monthly IDA meetings, um, you show up, they have an agenda, um, they have a couple projects on the agenda, and you, you know, the board evaluates them, you evaluate them, and uh, you kind of go from there. So really what I was doing was just kind of day by day, piece by piece um, coverage of IDAs mm-hmm. and, you know, picking out a project here, picking out a project there, and kind of peeking under the hood a little bit and asking, you know, is that really a good deal? Is that really the right. best use of tax breaks? Right. Well, that's that's the essential through line of your beat, right? But you're going deal by deal, right? Yeah. But what I wanted to do was take a more systemic look um, at the cumulative effect that these tax breaks have. And if there was some more reporting we could do that went beyond just, you know, essentially policing bad deals. Mm. So that brings us to February of this year. Um, There's a report that comes out from this group, Good Jobs First. They are a watchdog group based in D.C. And what they found in their report in February is that New York schools across the board are losing $1.8 billion every year Hmm. from tax breaks. Uh, The schools are. Um, and I found that very astounding. Uh, you know, this seemed to be the first time that anybody had really put a dollar amount on the impact that tax breaks in New York are having on communities. Was this one of the first moments where you're like, the, the questions that you had coming up at each deal, right? Each meeting, was this one of the first times where you got a peek under the hood, as you said, of how, what the impact is statewide? Yeah, um, this was this was definitely part of that. Um, there was some earlier work that Good Jobs First had done that was similar to this, uh, but this is the first time that there was really a microscope on right. New York in right. particular. Um, and so this was, you know, their report was based off of these financial disclosures, um, and this is getting you know kind of wonky, kind of in the weeds. Um, but essentially, back at the end of 2015, there was a new rule put in place uh, by the Government Accounting Standards Board. Uh, Gasby. Um, and the new rule said that school districts, cities, towns, villages, et cetera, et cetera, all municipalities, they really ought to, on their annual financial reports, just have a paragraph at the end uh, saying how much revenue they did not collect that year mm-hmm. due to tax abatements mm-hmm. and other tax breaks. Good Jobs First used some of that data and came up with um, their figure of $1.8 billion that New York schools were losing every single year. 
Hmm. Um, and, you know, I looked at that and said, wow, that's pretty significant. I wonder if we can go deeper on that. Um, so kind of using their report as a, as a jumping off pad, uh, we turned our focus to a handful of districts in western New York, uh, particularly um, Dunkirk City Schools, Niagara Wheatfield Central School District, Warsaw Central, and Letchworth Central. Those mm-hmm. are over in Wyoming County. Um, and taking a look at multiple years of their financial reports to get a better understanding of just how specifically these districts were being impacted. And we picked those districts because, um, at least according to Good Jobs First Research, they were among among the hardest hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we compiled some additional information on those districts and, uh, you know, began talking to people, began doing interviews. Um, and what we found is that those districts were, in fact, uh, losing out a lot. And it wasn't just, you know, a one-year blip. It, this wasn't just a one-off um, that we found. Uh, this was every single year they were losing millions of dollars. Really? So it's not necessarily lost revenue. As you had said, people come down on either side. But were, was your reporting able to discern that these school corporations are foregoing this revenue? I mean, is it is there a real effect on the activities that students might have the financial uh, burden on families. Is there a real impact? There is. Uh, there, there is a real impact. Um, and the real impact uh, that we were able to locate is that is not that these schools are failing necessarily, but that these schools could have more resources. These schools could be a little bit better, uh, and they're not because mm. they don't have that extra money. Um, so the, I'm glad you mentioned the lost revenue piece because there is, this is kind of a, a, a thread that we need to pull very gently. Um, so one of the things we also found in, in the reporting is that there are very credible uh, academic studies that show anywhere between 75% and 90% of jobs that were created with the assistance of a tax break would have been created anyway. Really? Um, so what that means because IDAs and the tax breaks that they they grant, they ostensibly are meant to create jobs. And so if those jobs would have been created, you know, the vast majority of them, if they would have been created anyway without those tax breaks, then it's not a stretch to conclude that the tax break was not necessary. Total annual cost to schools in our five county region in uh, Western New York tends to be between about $25, 27000000 million per year that schools are losing out on. Would these developments have occurred without those agreements? Maybe, right? So that, that's a, a lot of money that could have gone into our, our school system. Um, and we're not talking about pocket change here. That was Russell Weaver, Director of Research at Cornell University's Industrial and Labor Relations Buffalo CoLab. So you could have a situation in which schools are collecting full taxes on those, on those projects and getting that amount of new revenue. IDAs will argue that this tax revenue is is not, in fact, lost revenue. And through our reporting, what we found is that there's a lot of reason to question that. It does seem plausible, if not probable, that many of the jobs that have been created in these areas and, you know, extrapolating into Western New York would have been created anyway without these tax breaks. And what that means is that Everybody 
could have been paying slightly less taxes because the way the tax burden works, it gets spread out over, mm -hmm. over the population. And it could have meant that the schools have more revenue every year. Um, and we're talking millions of dollars every year. I previously sat down with Elizabeth Marcello. Uh, she's a senior research analyst with reInvent Albany. Are IDAs, in fact, harming schools in New York? Yes, they're harming schools. And I would say they're harming more than schools. They're harming existing businesses who aren't going to get tax breaks. Um, they're harming tons of other local governments who, whose taxes are being abated by IDAs. Um, and they, yeah, they, they harm the economy, I think, in general. They, they, they don't grow economies. They harm them. But I found a couple parents to talk to about this. And uh, this one woman uh, from Dunkirk, her kids go to Dunkirk City Schools. Um, she kind of put the reality of uh, the schools to me this way. For example, like as a parent, for every single thing the kids do, there has to be a fundraiser. So there's just constant mm. fundraising on the shoulders of students and families. Yeah. Um, so, and, and, and it's, you know, just exhausting. So obviously as an economically depressed area, um, Dunkirk in particular, um, putting so much of it on the shoulders of the families is really difficult. So to know that tax credits additionally are pulling even more money out of the out of the district is, is disappointing. Yeah, that's a soft word. The point here uh, is that the district could have millions more in their revenue in mm -hmm. their budget. Uh, if it weren't for these tax breaks and, you know, it's not too big of a stretch to say the district might be using some of that money to pay for uniforms, mm -hmm. to pay for field trips, to pay for uh, this, that, the other thing. Um, so there is a material impact on parents, kids and families, um, you know, when in, when these uh, tax abatements are pulling that amount of revenue. Mm -hmm. So what exactly are IDAs? I mean. How do they how do they work in tandem with the community and and what are the history of them? I, how did we how did we get to this point in time uh, in regards to school districts here in Western New York? So first of all, what are IDAs? IDAs are industrial development agencies, um, and they are these public agencies technically overseen by the state, although they were, at the time that we were still creating new ideas, they were created by county government or town government for that matter. Um, but they're technically wards of the state. Um, so they're kind of in this strange middle ground between local government and state government. And what they are empowered to do is they have a board. The board is appointed by local politicians. Um, you know, Erie County, for example, uh, the legislature, the county executive, other, um, you know, uh, public officials, they're the ones who appoint the board members. Um, and these board members are tasked with reviewing proposals that come from private industry, um, individual companies, um, seeking tax breaks for particular projects that they want to do. So that, that's what IDAs do. Um, but where did they come from? That's where things get a little tricky. Um, and this is where we have to wind back the clock. And we're going uh, basically back to World War II. Uh, so after the war, all the soldiers are coming home. The industrial base is roaring back to life. A lot of that was concentrated 
in the north and the northeast. I mean, there's a reason why it's called Bethlehem Steel, right? Uh, mm. Founded in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pittsburgh was the steel capital of the world. Um, you know, you come over here to western New York, uh, you have a number of steel towns, including Dunkirk, um, including Buffalo. And essentially what happens is the south, the southern states, they say, we want in on that action. And other states, you know, around the country, they said, you know, we want, in, we want a piece of that. So they created this uh, new product called an industrial revenue bond. Now, what is an industrial revenue bond? Uh, an industrial revenue bond is a bond, which is a form of debt uh, that is issued by the government. But the government does not use the money. The money instead goes to a private company. Hmm. So these were used to, in other states that didn't have as big of an industrial base as the Northeast did, were used to build an industrial base. The government loans money in the form of a bond. The money goes to an industry, a company, and they begin you know, to build their factory to do what they're going to do. Um, now, this was new at the time because... If you think about it, like a bond, you know, bonds had existed for a, for a while. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, and bonds are typically public affair, government affair, uh, meaning that the government sells a bond, they, they issue debt, and then they use the money to build something for the public good. You know, that could be a hospital, that could be a school, that could be a road, an airport, uh, a train line, that kind of thing. Um, but this was, this was the new... Uh, this was the new way of doing economic development in the post-war years. New York is late to this game. We're, we don't do uh, industrial revenue bonds or things of that nature until the late 60s. We're like mm. the 40th or the 45th state or something. Really? We're, we're pretty late uh, to get on, to hop on this train, in part because we already had an industrial base here. Things we were already going for us, right? Yeah. But because all these other states hopped on early and they started doing these industrial revenue bonds to build their industrial bases some of the companies in western new york and other parts of the northeast they began leaving and uh in 1969 uh the state legislature uh basically says if your community wants an ida an industrial development agency uh that has the power to issue these industrial revenue bonds uh you can do that and so that leaves us in this position where these communities now have these like quasi state agencies uh, that are able to issue tax abatements, uh, issue these bonds as a way of maintaining an industrial base. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of their their stated purpose is that you're we're going to give this money you know to the private sector, uh, to the captains of industry, uh, the Bethlehem Steels of the world. Uh, and you know, and other related, uh, and other related companies, so that they will maintain uh, and stay put, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, here, and that we are going to reap the benefits of that. Now, on paper, that might make sense, but this is also just preceding deindustrialization. It was only about a decade after New York uh, adopts IDAs uh, that industrial employment in the United States peaks and then falls. This is what Erie County Executive Mark Polencars told me when I sat down with him. And the impact of Bethlehem Steel leaving was astronomical. Unless you were alive, 
you do not know how negative it was. It, it created a spin-off effect and a lot of businesses that still exist in the world that were originated here moved. They just, we're getting out of this area. It's time to get out, go somewhere else. They most of them moved down south. In that kind of landscape, IDA tax breaks almost have an opposite effect, meaning that rather than, you know, use the public's money to retain jobs, to retain this industrial base, you're really just having this money flow into the hands of, you know, capital, as it were, uh, people who have, uh, you know, heads of companies, people who are able to access large amounts of capital. Um, and you're not really incentivizing them to do things that they necessarily wouldn't have done anyways. Mm -hmm. So as a result, you have a slow hollowing out of the tax base, uh, you know, kind of bit by bit by bit by bit. Um, and you have companies who are responding to market conditions and essentially doing, you know, like some of these studies have found, basically doing what they they would have done anyway. So the majority of deals are windfalls. The system as it has evolved allows companies to get paid to do what they would have done anyway. In this case, if they would have stayed anyway, and it sounds like they would have, uh, they still got paid to, to do what they wanted to do. That was Greg Leroy. Uh, he's the executive director of Good Jobs First. When deindustrialization started in places like Buffalo, and IDAs were kind of presented as a solution to bring jobs back. Did it actually work? Well, the answer is no, because, uh, you know, th at least throughout the 70s, 80s, you know, into the 90s, um, unemployment was going up, uh, and GDP was also going up. Generally speaking, IDAs are a bad bet, according to the reporting that we've done. Hmm. What, what I mean by that is you have these agencies that are empowered to give away property taxes, sales tax, mortgage tax, uh, revenue that is used for very important things. Mortgage tax, for example, part of that is used for NFTA buses and trains. Um, property taxes, that's used for the schools. Sales tax, that's used for other government functions at the state and local level. And... What are we getting in return for that money? IDAs will say, well, we've got X number of new jobs. Other economists say you would have had those jobs anyway. Once you have this system of, you know, uh, industrial revenue bonds, once you have this system of, you know, very mobile capital, meaning that, um, you know, a particular industry, a particular company, they're not tied down to a specific place anymore. Capital is now mobile, you know. Uh, we have global financial capital. A piece of that, however, is not only competition between nations for that capital, because, you know, taxes, you get to benefit from that, um, but competition between states. Um, so you have Buffalo, New York, Erie County, New York, Western New York, competing for an industrial base that India is competing for, that China is competing for, that South Carolina and North Carolina and Texas are competing for, that Georgia is competing for. Uh, it would be great if there was a federal solution, but there's not. And until there is, and I don't think there ever is going to be, uh, local governments are forced to basically compete against each other. As I said, years ago, the thought was, oh, we're competing against Rochester, we're competing against Cleveland. 
No, not anymore. We're, we're competing globally, but we do have competition uh, with regards to other locations in the United States. So IDAs, at least as you know, the economic development officials and the politicians put it, are this key piece. That's our bargaining chip to say your company needs to come here. So do those politicians think this is the only play they have? Short answer, yes. Tax revenue is a resource. It is arguably one of the most powerful resources that politicians have. Hmm. They have the power to create a budget every year. That budget is funded by taxes. The government has the ability to levy taxes, okay? That is a huge, huge amount of power, right? And then to just say, you don't have to pay your taxes. That that might certainly, you know, give that individual politician more power. But does it give your community power? No, because now you have less money to spend on the things your people want and need. But we're talking about a cumulative effect here. We're talking about, you know, dozens of tax breaks by dozens of IDAs over years and years and years and years. And this, this again, goes back to the, you know, is this lost revenue or is this not lost revenue? Mm -hmm. You know, again, our reporting found good evidence to suggest that this should, in fact, be counted as lost revenue because a majority of the jobs created with those abatements would have been created anyway. And so if that is true, if those studies are to be believed, then this counts as lost revenue. And that means that these tax breaks are bit by bit by bit taking available revenue from schools in particular, but also other uh, you know, programs. We mentioned the buses. Um, and who is benefiting from that? Are the kids benefiting from that? Are the parents benefiting from that? Or is it the corporations that are benefiting from that?